Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for, uh, shoot, what day is that going to be? March 3rd, I think. March 3rd. I'm not good at the changing of the months. Uh, But uh, this is... Throws you off 12 times a year. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, but, uh, and I hate it every time, uh, 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 uh January is the worst cause then you have the, uh, the year change as well. But, uh, but, uh, um, uh, this is a, this is your podcast for transfiguration Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a, we are on the brink of Lent Woo-hoo! and, uh, which w- exactly, which everyone is always super excited about because That's it's right. a time of great excitement. And it means on Tuesday we get to have pancakes. Uh, there Tuesday. you go. Yes, Shrove Tuesday is coming up. That's a something to look forward to for sure. But uh, but yeah, so so uh, so we're in March now and uh, humming along, uh, working on our the, the end of our first quarter of the year. Spring training has started. I'm making sure I'm throwing really hard to the dog now. You know, <laughs> accelerating my pitch count. You're waiting. You're waiting for that call up from the Houston Astros. I, 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 it, Not the Astros. Maybe this year. <laughs> No, not the asterisk. I apologize. No, absolutely not. Why would I say something so clearly insensitive? Yes, I wore a Giants jacket this morning. Oh, Giants. Yes, it's San Francisco Giants, of course. Not the Padres? Padres are my second favorite. Padres is everyone's not first choice. (laughs) (laughs) We should probably... Move on. Move on. <laughs> Move on. We don't want to. We want. Don't want the baseball gods to uh, to frown upon this podcast. So we'll, we will move on. Um, uh, we're going to save the uh, the the um, sponsor today's sponsor uh, for the very end uh, because it actually ties into the verses. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll we're just going to dive right into this reading here in Exodus, and that's Exodus thirty four verses twenty nine through thirty five. Moses came down from Mount Sinai as he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him and Moses spoke with them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near and he gave them the commandment all gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And when he came out, he told the Israelites what he had been commanded. The Israelites would see the face of Moses, that the skin of his face was shining, and Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. So, um, so speaking with God is a great skincare uh, regimen. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> You're glowing. It must have must be it must have spoken to the Lord. Well, and actually, that's that would be a fine sermon start. Mm-hmm. That the part of the point of this passage is that. When we are in the presence of God, we can't hide it. That, and when we are walking in God's grace, it's going to show through. Um, the the interesting part, though, of that glow is we really don't know truly what the Hebrew word is that we translate as glow. 
Oh, okay. And so by context, because the presence of God usually is revealed in light, and a few verses earlier that we didn't hear, it was revealed as light and cloud, we presume that glow would be a good translation. But at different times, it's been translated in different ways. And so it's one of those words we just don't know. But something about being in the presence of God is self-evident to all around Moses. So we made that part up. <laughs> yes. That's one so, of two parts so, we made up. So so very, very, I, I shouldn't say very possibly, but, you know, I mean, it, the, the other implication could be uh, the, the, the bright shining of, of God. You know, maybe the word is blistered from uh, from being too close. Um, so we just, we just like the imagery of him shining. Right. Um, uh, and, and what with that? And, um, and you said that was the one of two parts that we right. made up. The other part is veil. Oh, okay. We, this is literally the only place this word appears in scripture in Hebrew. And that means that we have no way of knowing what it means because there's no other context. There are no other comparisons. Huh. And again, the context of taking something on and off, veil seems handy, uh, uh, perhaps a non-distracting thing to describe, mm-hmm. but it could have been anything that could be taken on and off, presumably with a certain amount of ease. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. And the other fun thing about it is it the behavior is the opposite of other religions, particularly in that time in that Moses reveals his face when he goes in to see God, covers it when he comes back out so he doesn't scare the other people. Mm -hmm. And in most world religions at that time, the people going into a holy space would cover their face, often with a mask of ornate design that are now collectible and in museums and all. Yeah. But... Here it's the opposite. Well, and I would even say in our in in the the rest of uh, of our religious background, I mean that that kind of is countercultural to Christianity in in of itself as well. I mean, there's there's oftentimes where you know when met in the presence of Christ or or God, uh, there's bowing, there's hiding right. of, hiding of faces, uh, a, a belief of one not being worthy, and mm-hmm. and and uh, so yeah, that is kind of counter to. Um, what we usually see and what we usually read throughout the rest of scriptures. And very much with the intent that you just described to remind us, even though as humans, we repeatedly put up altar rails and do other architectural uh, features to say we're not worthy and we have to protect God from us and, and things like that. That no, God really does want us to just come right in as we are. Mm-hmm. Faces uncovered, all of our faults right there, and meet God face to face. It's kind of an it would be kind of an acknowledgement of of being laid bare. I mean, why try right. why try to hide from my Creator when Creator knows all. Creator knows all. I might as well yeah. And might as well face the music here. <laughs> and that is so scary <clears throat> that when Moses goes out to see the rest of the people, he has to in some way hide or attempt to hide. Uh, his face because that kind of honesty, especially with the creator, with God is so 
frightening. See, that's why I'm going to go with blistering. <laughs> like, it, his face is blistered or, or really like, bad just co- yeah, it comes out and we're like, oh my good lord! <laughs> like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to put the veil back on. <laughs> well, we like to presume that was something favorable. <laughs> As you said, with I a can, good skincare regimen. I, I could understand why they went, the interpreters went the way they went. Yeah. I'm just saying, uh, it would make for a totally different story and very interesting story. That's if, right. Uh, it was... You know, just disf- some sort of disfigurement. <laughs> Good Lord. Did your nose always <laughs> used to be that high on your forehead? <laughs> Where's that third eye coming from? <laughs> right. um, so out of curiosity, where where in um, the, the storyline does this take, take place? Uh, as far as uh, Mount Sinai goes, because he, he, he goes up, um, he comes down a couple of times. Uh, they have the golden calf at one point in time, which uh, none of our readings ever, n- none of the, none of our, um, yeah, our lectionary readings always skip over the, the one of my favorite parts of that story, which is he gets angry, melts it down and makes them and puts it in their drinking water. Um, That's true. I think that part is. That part is out. never in our lectionary readings um, because he poisoned them. <laughs> well. Actually, in some cultures, consuming gold is considered a great delicacy. Oh, okay. And and I think, don't spice your dinner based on this information, but I think gold is relatively non-toxic to a human. I, I thought there were, I, I thought, there, I thought are, there is gold poisoning or... I could be wrong. I'm Everyone, not a doctor. please Google this. <laughs> do not I'm base sure that. someone will be happy to correct me. As I say, do not base your lifestyle on what we're talking about here, <laughs> on terms of gold consumption. Yeah, uh, yeah. Clearly, and Bruce course, is not. Bruce, Bruce is uh, uh, advocating some other method of poisoning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, actually, it, it's <laughs> serious. This way, I was going to say is if you're going to consume gold, make sure you're biblical about it and tithe before you. <laughs> <laughs> nice well done well done uh but yes it, it is this before or after it's after, it, it's after. okay yeah. so he's re- the, the relationship is has is is on the mend and is repairing and and uh he has he is uh the the aaron and and the rest of the israelites have, have they're beginning to fall in line fall on fall in yeah. line and and gotcha but okay. they're still freaked out occasionally by things like how moses looks after yeah. he prays his his glowing uh, uh, glowing skin. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Um, it's a packed reading, but I think for the effort of time consumption, we should move along. Okay, sounds good. Second Corinthians chapter three, verses twelve, all the way through chapter four, verse two. Since then, we have such a hope, we act with great boldness. Not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the Old Covenant, that same veil is still there, since only in Christ is it set aside. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed 
into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. So, um, uh, what what does that mean when uh, to this very day? Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. What is uh, what, what's that referring to? Is that well, there, that's one. <clears throat> no one knows for sure mm. that there's there have been a lot of speculative uh, con con constructions put out there. The anti-Semitic one is that it means that. Basically, if you're Jewish, you can never understand the Christian gospel. And again, that's anti-Semitic. That is, it's... It's kind of counter to many of the other writings of the New Testament. Including by Paul. Right. <laughs> you're right. Who yeah. says so, that they were the first fruits. So probably not that in so intention. Right. Um, yeah, so if we let the Bible be a commentary on itself, we know that one's not accurate. So what makes the most sense is that looking at the entire letter of 2 Corinthians, mm -hmm. looking at the entire letter of 1 Corinthians, that this is another one of, of Paul's controversy texts of, you guys aren't getting what I'm trying to teach you. And there are these people that are trying to teach inaccurately what the grace of God's about. Hmm. So what it looks like is that and again, we can see this in other places, particularly in the book of Acts. What it looks like is that there were people who were beginning to follow Christ, didn't like that there were that there were so few rules, and so went searching for rules, went to the Torah, to the law passages within the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, and started to bring those rules into the Christian communities. And so Paul's trying to make an argument against going back to those which, even within the Jewish community, were seen as obsolete, maybe too strong a word, but not as necessary as when they were wandering through the desert, mm. and certainly can't be applied in the same way. So to go back to those, and Paul's argument here is basically making it so you are incapable of understanding God's grace. You're you're trying to sort of to go forward in time about what fifteen hundred years the reformers of um, who created Protestantism, modern Protestantism, were trying to tell people don't follow rules in order to save yourself. Mm -hmm. Instead, rely on the grace of God. Right. And Paul, and they were very much inspired by Paul. This is one of those places where Paul is is very emphatically trying to tell people, don't start creating rules. Don't try to create a checklist. Don't try to create a task list that you complete and therefore are in God's good graces. Simply rely on the grace of God, hmm. which is which is hard sure. and challenging. We'd rather have a list. Right, right, right. Um, but I think that's I think that's what Paul is trying to get at. Well, and still to this day, uh, that's uh, that struggle is very real for oh, yeah. a, a lot of a lot of people in that. Um, and and uh, I think we've had this discussion uh, or or a variation of it at, uh, at least once before, in that um, 
we're we're trying to accomplish something that we cannot accomplish, which is why you need God and God's forgiveness. Because if this were something that you could accomplish all on your own, then you don't need uh, Christ uh, having come to this earth, and you don't need Christ having died for your sins and being resurrected. It's something that is some it is something that you could accomplish all on your own, right? Uh, uh, with or without God's presence, and that doesn't make any sense at all, <laughs> um, uh, because then that that allows you to transform yourself and put yourself in God's shoes. Exactly, and. Um, and and so it's it, it that's a that's a very interesting point in that you know the, the it's not uh, you know you go from A to B and then B to C and then C to E but back to D and then to F you know it's not it's not a roadmap it's right. a it's you do your best and you're going to fall short and in those moments where you do fall short and and even in those moments where you're you're striving and you're doing your best it's God's grace that carries you all the way through and it's not um not about what you accomplish it's not about uh um which is that that deeds versus uh uh deeds versus uh, faith argument uh, in part well yes it definitely is that but there's also more to it than, than mm -hmm. that and i think and i'm going out on a bit of a limb here i think paul was more of a mystic than we we modern christians give him credit for because we it's hard not to read Paul about 2,000 years of history and commentaries running through our minds mm -hmm. and usage and misusage. But I think Paul was a little more mystical than we, we might think. And part of his point is every day we have to, in a sense, get up in the morning and ask God, what is it we are to do this day? Forgetting everything that we've done in the past, mm -hmm. forgetting all of our dreams and goals, and let God really set the agenda every moment of our lives right because paul in his autobiographical statements through his letters repeatedly talks about you know as a pharisee i knew it all and i knew exactly what to do in any given situation i knew the to exaggerate a little bit what he said i know the, the right prayer for every moment i knew the right action for every moment mm -hmm. and i ended up killing people so that shows how far off i got right so <clears throat> this is part of the the journey through paul's letters where I think his mysticism is bubbling up in a helpful way mm -hmm. and saying, don't look, don't go looking around for rules, rely on God each and every day, moment, thought, word, action, all of those give God a chance to shape, alter and direct us every moment of our lives. Mm. Is he also the author who who uses the, uh, or writes down the run the race uh, yeah. uh, to win? Um, because in in yeah and in, in thinking of that writing it's kind of you know it's kind of, you know you still need to run the race as though you're going to try to win mm -hmm. you're not you're never going to win this race right <laughs> but at the end of the race uh you know god will carry you across the finish line mm -hmm. and, and 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 but you still have to try yeah and this is a this is a never ending struggle and you have to do your best but you you're never. You're still never going to. You're never going to pitch for the Giants. Never going to, or the Padres. <laughs> or the Padres. God bless them both. <laughs> uh, uh, so, anything else about uh, about this one? Um, no, I think that's it for this week. On that. Good deal. Uh, now we're going to move on to Luke 
chapter 9, verse 28 through 36, and 37 through 43a, um, which I love the first half of this story. I'm just going to let you know mm -hmm. that, that up front. Um, so be, watch and out. I, and I have to admit, on uh, Sunday at 8 and 10 at mm -hmm. Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana, we will not use the second portion of the reading, the optional portion. It's <gasps> okay because I like the first half. Okay. <laughs> and there's just <coughs> so much to preach on that um, well, then why don't needs we, to be focused. Why don't we keep it to the uh, actual to, transfiguration to, to, Yeah, to, to the transfiguration story. Because that's the that's the fun part anyways. Right. Uh, that's the special effect. Peter, you dope. Yeah. Uh, that's my so I love this story. Anytime the the the, uh, the the disciples are any of them are shown to just not get it is is a fantastic story to me. Where they're like completely missing the mark and like unaware of what's going on. I'm like, hey, let me say something stupid. I love your, it. Your patron. It, yeah, it's, that's my whoever that is in that story. That's my patron saint right then and there because uh, that is that is me to a T. Um, all right, so Luke. Chapter 9, 28 through 36. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one and told no one any of the things they had seen. Um Man, I love Peter. Uh yeah, that's great. <laughs> so Moses and Elijah appear on the mountaintop. And Peter's first thought is, let's give them tents. Let's let's build for them some place where they can rest. These men who have not been walking the earth for what hundreds of years, hundreds hundreds of years. Um, love it. I just love it. Yeah, we, we, I bet they're tired. We have this great revelation of God. Let's have a building program. Right, 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 Apple right. fun campaign. Right? <laughs> we're gonna pass around a hat, and we're gonna, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so this is a this is a great story. But this is this is kind of uh, this is this is one of those um, uh, stories that is leading up to um, um, Christ's crucifixion. This is kind of like the, this is the beginning of uh, of of some of those stories that start to kind of put us down that path. Yeah, in Luke, um, this story appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mm -hmm. And Luke is the only one where uh, it's explicitly referenced that Jesus is starting the journey towards Jerusalem right. and, and his death. Mm -hmm. uh, and, that, and that's in verse 31. When, uh, mm -hmm. They appeared in glory and speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So speaking very specifically of... 
of uh, uh, it's almost implied of like they're they're do- having like a powwow or a game plan, and mm-hmm. Moses and Elijah are checking in on them like, uh, so how are you planning on accomplishing this? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Like, do you need anything? <laughs> or, or <laughs> how can we help? <laughs> and another way that it's been described is them chairing the meeting and Jesus doing the uh huh uh huh uh huh part. Of oh, okay, this, okay. Jesus, this is what you need to do next, and this is. This this is what will be happening, and keep your eyes open, uh, be alert, mm-hmm. be, you know what you're getting into because it's going to be rough, but it's going to be okay. Right. <clears throat> the other interesting thing, just in that uh, that one verse, is the departure term. What's translated as departure is the same word in Hebrew for Exodus, which oh. refers to the journey that Moses led the people on out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a very intentional linguist, linguistic throwback to Moses's own ministry. That kind of leads me into uh, one of the other questions that I wanted to ask in, in that, um, you know, there are plenty of religious cultural figures uh, through uh, the storyline thus far from all the way from Genesis uh, through, you know, uh, Christ's ministry there on earth. Why Moses and Elijah? What's the symbolism of, or, or what's the intended meaning, or what do we t- take away from it being these two cultural figures instead of, you know, there's, it's not, it's not Noah, it's not, uh, you know, it's not Job, it's not, you know, there, there's plenty of other uh, uh, relevant uh, figures who could potentially right. be inserted into this into this situation, how come is Moses and Elijah? What's what, what what's the meaning there? The and and actually, someone I thought you were going to say, so I'll just say it is John the Baptist. Yeah, or yeah, or John. You know, someone who Jesus. Although I think we kind of like hinted that uh, some of the writers might, might might be have have previously like tried to undercut right. his his involvement to, in order to tamp down the uh, the Messiah complex on that end of the. Right. Uh, of the equation. That's true. Maybe he would have been edited out later. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but I, but I've, I've often thought, this is just me. This isn't any kind of scholar. So feel free to just. Because John would have been dead. Because John was this. dead by then. Yeah, and by so Peter, James, and John would have all been, we know that guy. <laughs> right, right. Hey. <laughs> honey and the beard guy. I remember you. <laughs> and, wait, he's dead. Oh, then this everlasting life thing could work. Oh, right, right, right. right. Would have been a very personal witness moment. Mm-hmm. But no, it's Moses and Elijah. And the reason for that is that is twofold. One is uh, they're both considered mighty prophets, as in thoroughly faithful through their lives, very much, um, though each had, each made mistakes that God mm-hmm. would call them on. So they're, they're human, certainly in their behavior, but were considered key leaders and key prophets and key holy people through their time on earth. And Moses was considered the giver of the first books of the Hebrew scriptures. Mm -hmm. Um, And both were, and especially Elijah, were considered forerunners of when the Messiah would come. Mm. One of the interesting things with Elijah is he's the one figure in the Bible who gets out alive. Right. That everyone else dies, all the other humans die, including Jesus on the cross. Elijah is taken up in a fiery chariot. Right. And so traditionally he was seen, and in the book of Malachi, the last book of the Hebrew scriptures is pretty explicitly mentioned as the 
when you see Elijah coming, that means that God's kingdom is about to start. Hmm. So it is heavily symbolic that it's Moses and Elijah giving Jesus the game plan right. for Jesus's death and presumably resurrection as well. Though it really perhaps uh, sounds more like just his death. It also kind of gives a, a, an amount of depth to the gravity of of you know the it, like you said game plan. Yeah. Uh, you know the way the words here kind of Im imply this has been in the works for a while and the mm -hmm. fact that it's Moses and Elijah really gives you the span of you know these things and 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 and, and maybe even allows the readers uh, a um a feeling uh of of um this some of these things had to happen all those terrible things in history that you read about some of the, those things in your previous past that you have personally experienced all of this has been leading up to this moment and everything from Moses to Elijah to now is part of that plan. And maybe not that, it, maybe not that, uh, uh, you know, God wanted those terrible things to happen, but that these, these steps had to occur in order to get to where we are now. Well, the way I would put it is God always redeems the bad stuff. Mm. And so even if God didn't want it was not ever God's intention for, say, the Egyptians to so oppress the Israelites. God worked with that for massively miraculous, wonderful, amazing, inspiring things to happen. Mm -hmm. If the Egyptians had not oppressed them, God would have still been revealed in ways we can only imagine and perhaps even can't imagine. Right. Uh, but God always, always is working with and in response to humans and creation and isn't simply saying, well, you missed step two until you circle back and complete step two. Do not continue this program. Mm -hmm. uh, instead, it's God's constantly interacting with the human race. And that's why right. we need to listen to God every day rather than presume we know what the game plan is for our lives. Uh, and so that may have been part of what Moses and Elijah were, in a sense, talking to Jesus about is here are here's what's going to happen now that we see how humans have been reacting and what um, events have occurred. Mm -hmm. Here, Here's the final game plan that God has created for us to walk. I, I guess that's a good point. It's not like uh, in Moses's story or Elijah's story, everything went to plan. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's why God had to provide a second set of tablets. His yeah. got so ticked off, he right. shattered the first set. And, uh, and uh, uh, the didn't get a chance to even see the promise. Right. Uh, uh, ultimately, that was not uh, uh, in the cards for him. Uh, yeah. And uh, had to wait for a whole generation to die out before they were allowed to go into the land of milk and honey. Right. Right. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, speaking out against Baal uh, also had its fair share right. of challenges right. for Elijah. The other, the other piece with um, particularly Moses' presence and the term departure and exodus being there, that may have been part of, or it ties in with Peter's desire to, to build the tabernacles, to pitch the tents, because that was part of the liturgical tradition already mm. at that time to remind people annually of the um, holy time of the exodus was gotcha. to spend time in a tabernacle, in a booth, in a tent, which 
many uh, faithful Jews today still practice. And so Peter wasn't wasn't simply saying, let's do a building program. It was, let's right. acknowledge this holy moment with a liturgical action that we all know. Right. And, and, uh, and probably, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I usually am, uh, uh, one of the implications of what he would have probably intended to build would have included some sort of altar or... Like, like, would would they have done that? Because I, I I seem to remember stories in the Bible past where, um, going up to a mountain and building a structure hmm. also included some sort of uh, altar, some sort of sacrifice, yeah, and then it would get wrong. a name. Okay, all right. And because by this by this point, Jerusalem, I'm okay being wrong. By yes, the way. it's very helpful to the rest of us. <laughs> Um, at this point, the only appropriate place for an altar was in the temple in Jerusalem. Okay. That was that was part of the gift of settlement, of having a home that mm. was given to um, the people is they no longer had to set up the temporary altars on the hilltops. Right, as they migrated around. So, of okay. course, I have to say the interesting dynamic was the Samaritans, who were the ones left behind when the... Most of the Jewish people were taken into exile by the Babylonians since they, during that time, did not have access to Jerusalem, had started to build altars again on hilltops. So huh. people would have, and that was very much looked down upon by people like Peter, who are traditional Jews. So the possibility would have been in his mind, and he would have rejected it and instead built a tabernacle. Okay. Okay. Very cool. So you may have built an altar, and Peter would have said, don't do that. Right. Don't do that. Build a tent. Right. And Christ would have said, don't do that either. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, I like that I, I would have added to the uh, ridiculousness of the story. Like, no, that's, that's not. Or the, or the enlivening, <laughs> the enlivening <laughs> discussion. There you go. Uh, anything else um, on, on Luke? I think that's enough for today. Fantastic. Well, with that being said, then uh, I, I want to give a great thanks to uh, our our sponsor this week, uh, Transfiguration Tenting. <laughs> Enjoy the outdoors in our patented tenting systems. Whether you are a single person on the go or a family looking to enjoy the outdoors to, to outdoors together, we have a tent for you. The Moses design is partitioned into two spaces, uh -huh. Uh -huh. one for sleeping and the other as living quarters, so you have all your needs met while communing with nature and leading your family through the wilderness. The Elijah is a single-person uh, design tent with minimalist features because, let's face it, you're barely going to be there as it is. You're going to be out and exploring and taking it all in. If those designs don't meet your needs, there's always the Peter. An unnecessarily complex design, complete with AC adapters, Wi-Fi, and a working toilet for those who completely miss out, miss the point of camping altogether. Either way, don't go on your next camping trip without transfiguration tenting. That almost sounds real. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should copyright I'm, that. I'm looking for uh, an investor, <laughs> right. uh, so feel free to reach out to us uh, at, uh, at uh, shortcut at hfec.org. I'll be happy to take any inquiries. Uh, but no, but yeah, uh, uh, um, we, we, we don't have any other questions uh, uh, to, to our e email inbox this week. So, uh, but feel free, like I said, if, if send us uh, questions. We'll be happy to cover that as we broadcast here live from uh, Fishers, Indiana, uh, right. Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, and Indiana. Let me put one more plug in on, we do our worship, as you've heard before, at 8 and 10. At 9 o'clock, we're doing a 
adult forum series, which is basically just questions. And mm. we have good conversations about them. So if you want to come and ask questions about your curiosity about tabernacle tenting, <laughs> we would enjoy more conversation about that at 9 a.m. on Sundays. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this was your podcast for March 3rd, 2019. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we will see you next time. Bye.